Hunter Biden. Hold on, hold on. Not a rerun tonight. Hunter Biden. Why does that matter with everything going on today? I'm going to tell you why it matters a lot. Jeffrey Zucker had to resign. Funeral for another dead cop. All that and much, much more coming up on I'm Right. All right, let's hit the hot news of the day first. And I say the hot news, not the big news for a reason. Jeff Zucker, he's been the head of CNN for a while. He ruined CNN. He decided he was just going to make CNN instead of a, I mean, they were always on the left, but instead of a kind of center-left network, they just went all full communism. And that was Jeff Zucker. That was his doing. And today he had to resign. Apparently Jeff Zucker had a... relationship with a colleague they were both married it's a very very sordid situation apparently apparently they live they moved in to the same apartment complex both couples and the other couple lived one floor below it rich people rich celebrities are very very odd odd human beings so okay so jeff zucker retired and I'm supposed to come on here and address it. Well, let me just do this. Two things. One, as you can imagine, <laughs> Donald Trump, it's criminal he doesn't have a Twitter account today. Donald Trump put out a statement right away. And uh, I feel like I owe you reading it. So here it is. <laughs> Jeff Zucker, a world-class sleaze bag who has headed ratings in Real News Challenge CNN for far too long, has been terminated for numerous reasons but predominantly because CNN has lost its way with the viewers and everybody else. Now is a chance to put fake news in the backseat because there there may not be anything more important than straightening out the horrendous lamestream media in our country and in the case of CNN throughout the world. Jeff Zucker is gone. Congratulations to all. All right, as you can imagine, Donald Trump was going to pounce on that one right away. Here are my thoughts on it. One. I suspect there's more to this than Jeff Zucker playing some Twister with one of his colleagues. Powerful men like this don't normally go down for an office affair, so we'll keep our eyes on that. I do suspect there's more to this than that. And two, my other part is, I don't care. I know that may sound jaded and cynical and prayers for all involved. I I get that, but I really don't care. We have much, much much bigger fish to fry in this country than the latest sordid PG-13 rated R scandal on either side, on the right, on the left. It's just not something that has ever fascinated me. I don't care at all. Hopefully CNN improves their coverage, whatever. Goodbye, Jeff Zucker, good riddance. Who cares? I care about other things. I care about World War III. And I don't want to be accused of hyperbole here, so let's just pause for a moment. Let's let's do a little history rewind here. You've heard of World War I, right? I know you have. The Great War, World War I. Keep in mind, it started over something relatively small. There were tensions. You know, Austria-Hungary and Serbia had some tensions. There was tensions with Russia and tensions with Germany and tensions with France. And things were tense, but there was no world war on the horizon. It's not as if someone woke up one day and saw this coming, and then one guy gets assassinated, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, and he gets assassinated by some, I believe the guy was 20, Gavrio Princip is the guy's name, 
it was kind of an accidental assassination. I mean, he was trying to kill him, but he stumbled backwards into it and killed him. And soon, millions of people are dead. Millions. Loss of life like the world has never seen. These things, these gigantic, horrendous things, they aren't always something before they become something. What's happening right now with Ukraine and Russia it's a very big deal, potentially a very big deal. And don't get me wrong, I hope it's not. I hope it turns out to be nothing. I hope all the tensions ease or whatever happens, I hope all that goes away, but it's potentially a very, very, very big deal. Well, do I have to remind everyone, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's family, uh, namely Hunter Biden, they are all kinds of wired in with Ukraine. And the corruption of Ukraine. And remember this, Russia, I don't have to sit here and tell you that Russia's kind of a corrupt, tyrannical country. You know that. I don't expect you to be a Russia fan, but you should probably keep in mind, so is Ukraine. Ukraine is a corrupt country, not on the up and up. And Joe Biden has had a very, very cozy relationship with Ukraine for quite some time. Remember, Joe Biden was in charge, really, of Ukraine while Barack Obama was president. And there was all this ugly stuff. Remember, Joe Biden was asked about his ties with Ukraine and Hunter and everything else in the debates. Vice President Biden, there have been questions about the work your son has done in China and for a Ukrainian energy company when you were vice president. In retrospect, was anything about those relationships inappropriate or unethical? Nothing was unethical. Here's what the deal. With regard to Ukraine, we had this whole question about whether or not, because he was on the board, I later learned of a Burisma, a company, that somehow I had done something wrong. Yet every single solitary person when he was going through his impeachment, testifying under oath who worked for him, said, I did my job impeccably. I carried out U.S. policy. Not one single solitary thing was out of line. Something called Burisma. Didn't you love how he put that? Burisma? As he is the one who drops off the mail? Like, like he'd never heard of it before. 2016, we have an email from U.S. Embassy official George Kent. Again, 2016, this is while Joe Biden was vice president. Quote, the real issue to my mind was that someone in Washington needed to engage Vice President Biden quietly and say that his son Hunter's presence on the Burisma board undercut the anti-corruption message the VT, the VP and we are advancing in Ukraine. Well, that kind of contradicts the whole there was no conflict of interest thing because while it was going on, the U.S. Embassy was looking at it and sure seemed to think there was a conflict of interest. And let's also keep in mind, Joe Biden has a habit of trying to play tough guy. It's a very odd thing. Remember he threatened to what, take Trump out behind the building and beat him up or something like that. He's always calling somebody pal like it's a 1950s gangster movie or he's poking his finger in people's chest. So Joe Biden does the whole fake tough guy routine a lot. And so he was interviewed in 2018 and he started to do the fake tough guy routine and accidentally spilled the beans a little bit. So I got Ukraine, and uh, 
Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a! <laughs> got fired. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Ah, look at that tough Joe. I told him, ultimatum, they're not getting a billion dollars. Now, that prosecutor happened to be the one who was looking into Hunter Biden. Now, shockingly, the New York Times is actually starting to get in, get in on this too. Isn't it funny how they're all starting to actually do journalism now that Joe Biden's vice president? Specifically, they're trying to get access to U.S. Embassy emails that mention Hunter Biden. Now, where there's smoke, especially when it comes to Hunter Biden, there's fire. Okay, remember, though, this is 2022, if my watch is correct, and all these media organizations ran cover for Joe and Hunter when this story first broke. Remember, it first broke before the presidential election. New York Post broke the story Big Tech censored the story. All the major news outlets, including New York Times, turned their back on the story. Joe Biden was free to run around and scream the lie over and over again. No one did anything wrong. There's no evidence that Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing between uh, uh, by Biden, by Joe Biden or by Hunter Biden. There's no evidence that Joe Biden actually did anything wrong or did anything to sway things in Hunter Biden's favor. He's denied that his son ever lobbied him for anything. There is nothing Hunter. There is nothing mm -hmm. wrong that Vice President Biden did. President Trump has falsely accused your son of doing something wrong while serving on a company board in Ukraine. I want to point out there's no evidence of wrongdoing by either one of you. There is no evidence that anybody did anything illegal uh, regarding the Bidens uh, and, and Ukraine, and, and Joe Biden was carrying out U.S. policy. President Trump wanted dirt on Joe and Hunter Biden. Trump's claims about wrongdoing here are unsubstantiated. We have looked. Lots of out outlets have looked. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Vice President Biden uh, did nothing wrong. And every single media outlet has said that there are no, there's no there there to these allegations, lies, and smears. PolitiFact found no evidence to support the idea that Joe Biden advocated with his son's interests in mind. Hmm. No one did anything wrong. All the media outlets looked into it. There's no evidence. I've got news for you. I'm not a lawyer, but sadly, I do know some. I know quite a few, actually. You understand that someone saying something counts as evidence, like a witness. Even, even if, look, even if they turn out to be lying, that counts as evidence. If I accuse you of shoplifting a candy bar, and of course you would never do that, but I get someone on my staff to say, I saw him shoplift the candy bar. I now have evidence that you shoplift the candy bar. That's how evidence works. 
We had evidence. We had lots of evidence. We had Hunter Biden's now verified laptop, which is mountains of evidence. We actually had a witness, a witness who was involved in all of it, Tony Bobolinsky. This is evidence. I've heard Joe Biden say that he's never discussed business with Hunter. That is false. I have firsthand knowledge about this because I directly dealt with the Biden family, including Joe Biden. Everything I'm saying is corroborated by emails, WhatsApp chats, agreements, documents, and other evidence. On May 13, 2017, I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. No evidence. Now, why am I bringing this up? Again, this is not a rerun show. Why am I bringing this up? We just announced today we're sending 3,000 more troops over to that area, Ukraine, Russia, supporting our NATO allies. This situation is not de-escalating. The situation is escalating. And you're going to have to forgive me if I don't look at the Biden family and, you know, Joe being commander-in-chief and all, and I don't see a major conflict of interest going on here. Something smells. Something doesn't add up. What's going on is not in any way a situation that should lead to a massive conflict between global superpowers, and yet the Sabres sure are a-rattling. It's not a small deal. It's a big one. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Joining me next is my friend Daryl Cooper. He does the incredible podcast called The Martyr Made Podcast. One of the sharper guys I've, I've known. Really, really, that's a different perspective on things. We're going to ask him about that and other things. But first, health insurance. Don't, don't roll your eyes. I know. I, I know. It sucks shopping for health insurance. I've had to do it so much that anytime my insurance ever runs out, I just get this feeling in the pit of my stomach like I'm in high school again and I have yet another chemistry test that I didn't study for. You don't have to go through that anymore. There's a wonderful company out there, a faith-based company that provides incredible coverage, great plans for families, great plans for individuals, 24-7, telehealth, whatever you need, vision, dental, you know it. It's called OneShare Health. They have everything you need in great rates. When you go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly, you get 75 bucks off your enrollment fee. That's my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly. And remember, when you sign up, 5% of your monthly goes to our veterans struggling with PTSD. These are good people. You can feel good about that. How often have you felt good about paying your health insurance bill? my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly. We'll be back. Joining me now is my friend Daryl Cooper. He's one of the sharper, more interesting guys I have encountered in this business. He's the co-host of the Unraveling podcast, also does the Martyr Made podcast, which I love. And you can find him on Twitter at Martyr Made. Daryl, first and foremost, 
We have all this tension right now between Russia and Ukraine, and I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to untie all these knots in my mind, but you have a Biden family that is firmly entrenched in Ukraine, all this scummy-looking corruption in Ukraine. We have troops going over to Ukraine, <laughs> and I'm sorry, brother, maybe I've seen too many movies. All this stuff stinks to me. Yeah, we've uh, sort of made an art. This, the, the regime's kind of made an art out of... Uh, their, their, their whole strategy is sort of keeping people from pointing out and saying things that are perfectly obvious, like the fact that we have to say, uh, you know, that it's sort of, that, that we have to two sides of the issue of the Biden family's corruption in Ukraine is really ridiculous. I think we don't have evidence. We have proof that they were engaged in something that could probably compromise them. And, you know, these are the people who are running policy there. As far as the overall issue in Ukraine, I mean, it reminds me of an old Polish joke that I heard, but I, I hear they tell it in Ukraine, too, about Poles and, and Russians and the relationship they have with each other. And Ukrainians tell this joke as well. And it goes something like this. You got this old Ukrainian farmer out in his field one day. Let's say his name's Pavel, and he's digging around, and he finds himself an old magic lamp. And so he cleans it up, and a genie pops out. And he says... Well, I have a genie here. Does that mean I get three wishes? And the genie says, absolutely. My wish is your command. And so Pavel thinks about it for about two seconds and says, aha, I know what I want. I want the Chinese army to invade and destroy Ukraine. And the genie says, well, gosh, that's a, I never gotten that one before. But, you know, I'm your slave. I have to do it. And so within a few minutes, you got smoke and fire on the horizon and explosions. And then you got tanks and troops and jets. Chinese jets just come in and destroy Kiev, destroy the entire country of Ukraine. And Pavel couldn't be happier. He's just got a big smile on his face. And the Chinese army retreats back to the east, says, all right, it's time for your second wish. And Pavel goes, no question. I want the Chinese army to come back and destroy Ukraine again. And the genie's like, I might have a might have a little bit of an insane person on my hands, but your wish is my command. So here we go. Chinese army, same thing. Boom, crash, destroy, death and destruction. They go back to the east and finally it's time for the third wish. And uh, Pavel doesn't hesitate. He says, do it again, run it back. And so the genie says, look, man, um, you're the boss. I got to do whatever you say. But uh, what's going on here? Do you just hate your country? You just hate Ukraine? That he Pavel's shocked. He says, well, I love Ukraine. Are you kidding me? I love Ukraine more than anything. My parents died for this country. He says, well, then I got to ask, what's with having the Chinese army come and destroy the place three times? He says, ah, for them to come from the east to destroy Ukraine three times, they have to go through Russia six times. And I've told that joke to a few Ukrainians and, and Poles, and they've either heard it or, or got it really, really quickly. The point is, there's there's a thousand years of generational history between these two countries, between those, the Visegrad group in general, the whole Eastern European region, and Russia. And there's a lot of deep hatreds, there's a lot of deep, just deep feelings going in many, many different directions. And the idea that we're going to come from the other side of the planet and come in and regulate that situation, we're going to get into the middle of that. We've done that before. We tried that with Sunni and Shia in Iraq. We tried it with North and South Vietnamese, you know, in that time. We go and I, we, we insert ourselves into these situations where we have really no historical context, no real deep commitment, which I promise you Russia does have to what happens in Ukraine. And then we get surprised when we get sucked down into the muck with the parties that are already fighting and have to sort of deal with that on a level that we're not prepared for. So hopefully it doesn't go that way. Daryl, thank you so much for your time. Please come back soon. That was outstanding. All right.
We still have a lot more show for you tonight. Let's talk just for a second, though, about preparation. I've told you many, many times about Northwest Retention Systems, about their Scout chest holsters, that's their bestseller, about their slings, about their inside the waistband, that's where I carry. I want you to understand part of being prepared means buying quality. And I know money doesn't grow on trees, I realize that. But when it comes to things that your life depends on, you really need to get quality gear. I tell you about Northwest Retention Systems because of the quality. NWRetention.com. The promo code is JESSE. It saves you 10%. Everything is custom made. And not only custom made, it's all custom made right here in the United States of America. NWRetention.com. Go make sure you have quality gear. We'll be back. Your son is a true American hero, but more importantly than that, you are a true American hero family. And every police officer from around the world that packs this cathedral and line that street and will leave our city and go to their towns will go with faith that if I can do half of what he did in his short life, we will have led a strong life. Amen. That's PBA President Pat Lynch today at the Memorial for Wilbert Mora. Joining me now is David Marcus. He is, of course, a columnist with the New York Post and Fox News. He's also the author of a great book I would highly recommend, Charade, The COVID Lies That Crushed a Nation. David, to recap for those who haven't been paying attention, why is Wilbert Mora having a memorial today instead of out on patrol? Um, Officer Mora and his partner, Officer Rivera, responded to a um, domestic violence report about two weeks ago now. Um, uh, It was a woman whose son was distraught and and who turned out to have... um, an illegal gun that he used to kill both um, to kill both officers. Uh, the outpouring here in New York has been really remarkable. I, I think anyone who's ever lived in New York knows the enormous respect that almost the entire citizenry has for the NYPD, who, who you know do a fantastic job um, in in keeping the citizens of the city safe. Uh, so this has really just been uh, a, a sad week uh, for the city, and I think it's. I think a week where a lot of New Yorkers and some of the political leadership are really taking a hard look at at some of the policies that have have put officers like like these brave young men at risk. David, you say they're taking a hard look, and and I've heard people, everyone from Governor Kathy Hochul saying she's going to look into it, to uh, Eric Adams, who's somehow blaming the guns, but I hear a lot of things like hard looks. What I don't hear is we're putting plainclothes police officers back out there. We're making sure we're going to be more aggressive with keeping criminals who are scumbags in jail. Are are they going beyond a hard look and doing concrete things that keep this stuff from happening? Uh, so far, so far, it's been mostly rhetorical, unfortunately, although I will say that, that at least on that level, Eric Adams is a big improvement over Bill de Blasio, who, who was our former mayor, who wouldn't even pay lip service uh, to these ideas. Adams stumbled a little bit out of the gate, but over the past couple of weeks, he seems 
uh, open to some of the ideas that you talk about, some of these plainclothes anti-crime uh, units that we need to get back on the street, even open to, to reintroducing things like stop, question, and frisk. Look, uh, New York City spent 20 years after Rudy Giuliani as, as the safest big city in the world. We know how to do this. It's not a big mystery. Adams himself is a former cop. So uh, really, the, the leadership just has to make the decision to do it. And, and, you know, we hope that they will. Eric Adams did something I found to be completely bizarre yesterday. I actually made fun of him on my radio show for this last night. Here is Eric Adams talking about him and Joe Biden. This is a great city, and I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. And I love the fact that the president is coming here. I met with him uh, after the campaign, and we spoke, and we just connected, you know. And I'm sure if you were to ask him what is his favorite mayor, he'll clearly tell you it's Eric, you know. <laughs> we just, you know, we, we just, you know, just really like each other. The Biden of Brooklyn. Now, Eric Adams has seen Joe Biden's approval numbers, right? He has, but I think that Eric Adams and, and some in the Democratic Party, let's call it maybe the James Carville wing of the Democratic Party, who think that the Democrats are committing political suicide by, by going super far left. I mean, they see in Adams a better model, right? They want Bill, or they want um, uh, Joe Biden standing next to Eric Adams um, because they see him as sort of like the Glenn Youngkin of, of the, the left, if you will, the, a, a more moderate figure who can help Biden escape the clutches of, of the far left defund the police crowd. Um, I don't know if that's going to work. Like, like one, I don't know if Biden's going to be willing to make a full-throated statement in favor of police without a bunch of caveats about supposed uh, police misconduct. And I don't know if the squad and the progressives are going to be able to keep their mouths shut long enough um, for that message to penetrate. But look, clearly there's a lot of people in the Democratic Party who want Eric Adams to be the future. Okay, you, you brought up Glenn Youngkin, and actually I wanted to ask you about that. I was speaking with a friend this weekend who would know, and he said, Glenn Youngkin, yeah, he campaigned as kind of a fairly middle-of-the-road Republican, but behind closed doors, he's a fire-breathing conservative as far right as you can possibly get. And i got to be honest, Dave, and so far he's been governing that way in Virginia, and it's been awesome to watch. Did we find ourselves a little pot of gold here? Yeah, look, I think so. And I, and I think that on those issues, I, I think that in terms of the, the culture issues and the education issues and things like CRT and, and, and things like, um, you know, men participating in, in women's sports, uh, this is clearly a moment where the conservative movement is, is racking up a lot of W's. And I think that as long as, as Youngkin is staying focused on those hot button cultural issues that, that really won him the election, uh, he's going to do well. And I don't think he has any reason to... Uh, to pivot for the Senate, uh, to the center for, for that matter. I, I don't think any Republicans right now have a reason to, to pivot to the center on, on those specific issues. Are those national issues or are these issues that are only going to really play in blue areas such as yours, like New York and Virginia, where it's an extra hot button item for parents? No, I think they're, I think they're clearly national issues. And I think that um, I, I think the culture war in, in general is something that Donald Trump was really able to bring to the fore that previous iterations of Republicans wanted no part of, right? George W. Bush and Mitt Romney, they did not want to talk about any of this stuff. They were terrified of, of, of being called a racist by anybody. Um, and I think uh, Trump, much like Pat Buchanan in the early 90s, only more successfully 
uh, was able to bring these cultural issues to uh, you know a, a place where they were front and center. Uh, it explained a lot of his success, and it explains a lot of the success that Republicans are having nationally right now. Speaking of COVID, your governor, Kathy Hochul, is claiming success for lockdowns because COVID cases are on the decline. And she's not citing the weather or natural immunity or anything else. She says it's been the lockdowns. If lockdowns work so well, why is New York constantly having these spikes? Uh, because they don't work. I mean, look, there's a, stu- a, a, a meta study out of Johns Hopkins today that, that shows that the, the, the lockdowns may have prevented 0.2% uh, of deaths in terms of the overall mortality rate. Um, we know that, that they didn't work. We know that they won't work in the future. Uh, the real crisis right now is not COVID. The real crisis is that you have leaders like Hochul and, and Gavin Newsom in, in California who refuse to give up this emergency power that they should have given up two years ago. They're not worried about COVID. They're worried about controlling the population and COVID is the, the excuse that they've had for two years to do it. Uh, and they, they really just don't seem willing to, to give it up. Why? I guess for, for my question is, Hochul's getting ready to run for governor. She's going to have a primary. Obviously, the general election is not going to be anything to, to write home about, but she's going to have a primary of some kind. Why do they feel so comfortable still abusing parents? Is that seat just that safe for her? I wouldn't be so sure about the general election. Um, Lee Zeldin is, is running against, um, is going to be running against Hochul. Uh, in the general election. I mean, George Pataki was a Republican governor of, of New York. We've had Republican governors and, and senators and mayors. It's not, uh, this is not California. A Republican can win. I think a poll today showed Hochul up 51 to 33. 51's not a great number for her, and 33 for a guy who's yet to get sort of name recognition is certainly striking distance. My hope is that um, if not for altruistic or logical reasons, she's going to look at the political reality and understand that if she keeps New Yorkers under these kinds of lockdown conditions, it's going to hurt her politically. I mean, I hope she comes to that realization. Yeah, no doubt. Dave Marcus, thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. You bet. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert is going to come on next. She not only is going to formally accept her award as the hottest woman in Congress, she is going to talk about Joe Biden, Supreme Court, Nancy Pelosi. We have a lot to unpack with her, but Eden Pure. Have you gotten your Eden Pures yet? I know a bunch of you have. I'm looking at my emails. I told you they were awesome. Do you think I was just on here just saying that to say that? These things, they're not like any air purifier I've ever had. And I need to clarify, I've had a lot. I've had air purifiers since I was 10, 11 years old and moved to Montana and my allergies used to drive me crazy. So I've always had something trying to get the allergies out of the air. These things work, man. I don't even own over-the-counter allergy medication anymore. On top of the fact they remove the odors from the air. Again, they don't cover up the odors like that weird oil thing you have plugged into the wall. They remove them. And you can own a three-pack, because I own three, right now when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE. You get a three-pack for under $200. That's $200 in savings. EdenPureDeals.com. We'll be back.
We like to honor greatness on this show. This is something we've always, we've, we've, look, whether it's sports greatness, whatever, whoever achieves highly on this show, we choose to acknowledge and we don't celebrate enough greatness in this society. And on occasion, we like to also acknowledge when there are Congress people who actually do good things as well. So we get to do both those things with our next guest here. Joining me now, the first winner of the Jesse Kelly Show, hottest woman in Congress list, Congresswoman from Colorado, Lauren Boebert. Congresswoman, first and foremost, before we get to all the news of the day, I want to congratulate you on such a high achievement and hope you got our certificate. I see you did get our certificate, and I want to make sure you also got the gift card we sent along with it. I got it. Look at that, Jesse. How's that? Outstanding. (laughs) uh, Outstanding. And and Jesse, I do think that 2743 is under the gift limits, um, but if we check with ethics and it's over, this is coming right back to you. Yes, ma'am. I understand that. We're going to do the best we can to up that to 30 next year, depending on how the show does. But moving forward, the second hottest woman in Congress, she was the runner-up this year, AOC, went on Twitter and whined once again, like she always does, after she got busted in Florida without a mask on. And Congresswoman, I do have to ask, Pelosi, AOC, that scumbag Phil Murphy in New Jersey, why do all these COVID lockdown loving politicians all vacation to Florida when it's such a dangerous place? I just, I can't seem to figure it out. You know, we've seen this from the beginning uh, with these COVID tyrants and all of their lockdowns and mandates. They're for the peasants, they're not for them. And so they enjoy freedom. They, they enjoy parties and smiling and being maskless. Uh, but, you know, the rest of us and our children in school, we have to be bound and obey our rulers. Yeah, I, I think it basically comes down to that. But I do have to ask, I mean, obviously, I know coronavirus is real. It's killed people. There's no question about it, especially old people, fat people are uniquely in danger from it. I, I get that. But why are these people not worried about coronavirus? Because they sure are telling everyone else to be worried. It doesn't seem like they're worried. It doesn't seem like they're worried, and and that's why they're going about living their lives. But they want everyone else uh, to stay indoors, not work, to have our children masked in school, uh, because maybe that would affect them then. Uh, Right now, when everyone's locked up, you know, they can go out and not be in contact with a lot of people if they don't if they don't have to be. D.C. is kind of a ghost town right now, and so the OCs of the world can wander all around D.C. and not encounter too many people because they have them all fearing for their lives on a daily basis. But uh, D.C. is really the epicenter uh, for all of this hypocrisy. We have been following political science only. And uh, it's interesting, while Americans are being punished for a Fauci-funded Chinese virus, uh, D.C. are playing political theater games with it. Members get charged $2,500, fined $2,500 for not wearing a mask on the House floor. Now, Jesse, I've already told Nancy Pelosi she could kiss my mask, and several other members have said the same, and we are not wearing masks on the House floor because as soon as you step outside of those chambers, the masks are no longer required to that extent. We're no longer fined. And uh, so it's all political theater. It's only where the C-SPAN cameras are rolling. Even the dear, sweet, darling of the left, AOC, is caught on the Capitol steps outside with a group of people, a very large group. And uh, somebody says, let's take a picture. And she said, oh, we're taking a picture. Let's put on our masks. Puts on the mask, takes a stupid picture, takes it right back off. That sounds about right. All right, let's move on to the news of the day, or at least the news of the time right now. Joe Biden, he had something to say about the Constitution when he was talking about the Supreme Court. 
There's always a renewed national debate every time we uh, nominate any president nominates a justice, because the Constitution is always evolving slightly uh, in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights, etc., and it's uh, always an issue. The Constitution is always evolving, Congresswoman. Now, I have a copy of it. Mine hasn't been updated. Does it, do I have to plug it in or something? <laughs> Maybe it needs an update. And uh, sure, it, it evolves when the American people pass a constitutional amendment, which has happened 27 times. But it's not living in the sense that the words change meaning based on whatever some woke judge judges wish at that time. Uh, if Biden wants to talk about something that's dramatically evolving, let's talk about his poll numbers that looked like polling numbers when he got elected, then started looking like a football score. And now he's in danger of looking like a baseball score or a soccer score. Literally, no one supports the guy. Which is your least favorite of the amendments? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I guess uh, the prohibition, but we fixed that, right? <laughs> Yes, we did. Yes, we certainly fixed that. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Got all right, right, all right. Got, got, right. We got you. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. This is a rumor out today. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to spread rumors unfounded. But the rumor is that Nancy Pelosi is going to cap each party to twenty-five people for Joe Biden's State of the Union address, which I'm sure will be a riveting, absolutely riveting affair. What I can't <laughs> understand is the political game behind it. Everyone knows Joe's unpopular, as you just pointed out. I get that. I, I understand she's going to use coronavirus as a justification, but everyone knows mm -hmm. this woman is not worried about coronavirus. What's the game here? What am I missing? Jesse, this is Nancy Pelosi 101. Keep as many people out of the Capitol as possible. Look, we know what, what the Biden approval rating is. It is so low, they're probably worried that no one will even clap when he enters the chamber. And they're not going to want to blame the silence on COVID. I'm just surprised he's not building a house chamber set like his White House set so he can do <laughs> the address from a studio like he does everything else. Why can't we have a fake house chambers? <laughs> All I'm right, finally, it. Nancy... Nancy Pelosi asks she's running for re-election, and while I am glad you're in Congress, and for more reasons than just uh, being the hottest woman in Congress, I'm glad you're there. I don't assume you want to be there until you're 8,000 years old. What? Why would you run? She's 81. She's rich. What? I don't understand the addiction to this lifestyle. Is it that much fun being in Congress? You know, I don't really understand it either. Um, Nancy Pelosi can run for re-election, and I'd be surprised if she doesn't win, but she sure as heck won't be returning to the Capitol as Speaker. So I am very happy about that. I, I can promise you that. And Nancy Pelosi, I mean, she's kind of like Burger King. No one that I've ever met wants it, but apparently someone somewhere out there is keeping it around, and I just can't figure <laughs> out why. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is a great strategy for all of the um, Republicans who are being challenged by Democrats this session. You get Democrats are saying that they're going to, to, change, uh, to change things, make things different, to com combat inflation and supply chain crises. No, they're going to come here and work for Nancy Pelosi. I'm here. I live it. I see it. Democrats work for Nancy Pelosi, period. So um, I, I think every Republican in the nation is running against Nancy Pelosi. Congresswoman Bober, thank you again for what you do, and congrats on your prestigious award. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jesse. All right.
We got Light in the Mood next. But have you downloaded the app yet? The first TV app? You know it's free, right? The app is free. Just go to the app store and download it. Put it on your phone. Put it on your pad. Put it on your television set. Go download the First TV app, all right? And while you do that, become a supporter. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support. Then you get access to all of our behind-the-scenes stuff, all of our specials, everything, all right? All right, next is Lighten the Mood. I love some dash cam video. I'm not going to lie. Look, full disclosure, I'm not a reality TV guy. I'm not even really a TV guy anymore. I'm really, apparently, I'm, I'm 40 going on 80 now. When I watch TV, it's almost always documentaries. The wife just makes fun of me all the time for it. It's World War I documentaries and Vietnam documentaries. I mean, you name it, I'm watching documentaries. So I don't do a lot of TV, let alone reality TV. But I've always been a sucker for great dash cam videos because cops... I mean, cops encounter some very interesting people. Obviously, they encounter some disastrous people, but some very, very interesting people. And when you have a cop who approaches his job with a certain sense of humor, especially when he's clearly dealing with somebody who's obnoxious, I have to say I respect it. Pardon me? You didn't think we gave pretty girls tickets? You're absolutely right. We don't. Sign here. That's so cold-blooded. <laughs> You're right, we don't sign here. Man, that's savage. All right, I'll see you tomorrow.